Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's episode 176 of the Audible Farm podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Couchtown Coffee. Couchtown Coffee is roasted right here in Iowa. That's one of my favorite things about it. I was drinking Couchtown while I was doing this interview, actually. I love it. It's my favorite coffee. I drink it every morning. Mm-mm, good. If you guys want to check out Couchtown Coffee, all you got to do is go to couchtowncoffee.com, find a coffee you like, let them know how you want it roasted, and they'll ship it directly to your house. It's that easy. You know what's even cooler? They'll give you 20% off. Why? Because Couchtown Coffee is that cool. So tell them Audible Farm sent you. They'll give you 20% off. What's to miss out on? It's Just give it a try. I guarantee you, you'll enjoy it. It's one of my favorite coffees I've ever had in my entire life. CouchtownCoffee.com. Thanks, Couchtown. This week, I'm sitting down with Jason Boggs, the other Jason Boggs. That's pretty funny to me because their interviews are really close to each other, and I've known about them all, well, both of them, for quite a while now. But it's it's really funny that I, I ended up doing them close to each other. But there's two different Jason Boggs, and we get into that a little bit in the interview, how there's two of them, and sometimes people think that one of them is the other one. Uh, but this Jason Boggs owns the venue Boggs Hole Avenue Tavern in Des Moines. He also plays in the band Resurrection Mary, which has some ties to my local music scene up in northern I- or northern Iowa. So it's it's kind of funny that uh, it's a small world out there. It's a small music world out there, but it's also very, very big. Jason's been in the scene for 20-plus years, it seems like, maybe more. Uh, we talk about some of that in here. We talk about, uh, I think one of my favorite parts about this episode is he's got the perspective of both a bar owner and a musician. So he's kind of seen it all. He kind of knows what it's like to be a promoter and things like that. We talk about different styles of promotion and how it's changed over the years. And uh, uh, upcoming shows, he's got a couple upcoming shows. One of them is his birthday bash at the hole. It's always a great show. But another one, he is opening up for Blacktop Mojo uh, in Iowa City at the Wildwood. So that's going to be a good show as well. We talk about those in the upcoming podcast as well. So strap on this episode. It's one of my favorites. I love sitting down talking with Jason Boggs. He's such a fun guy. I've played at his venue dozens and dozens of times. I've seen bands play there um, from across the U.S., uh, tons of different local bands across Iowa. It's it's just such a fun place to go see shows. So uh, it's got that small bar feel, but it still has that uh, club kind of feel because it's got a stage and everything. So... Uh, check it out. This episode's really fun. It's episode 176 with Jason Boggs of Resurrection Mary and Boggs Hole Avenue Tavern. It's the Audible Farm Podcast with your host, Peter Stockdale. Today I'm sitting down with Jason Boggs and I sat down recently with a different Jason Boggs. Did you listen to that episode or did you see that one online when it popped up? Well, yeah, but what's funny is like I I know he probably gets as tired of being mistaken for me as I do of him. So <laughs> that's hilarious because I was even telling someone today I was going to interview Jason and he, they were like, "Oh, the guy with all those guitar amps," and I was like, "No, a different guy." Like, <laughs> but, that, but that's funny thing because we're both gear junkies. Mm-hmm both big guitar collectors but what i always tell people when they say jason boggs and i'm like no i'm the one that sells you alcohol he'll sell you insurance yes yes <laughs> so for those that don't know this it's jason good, this, go f- good thing that we both play two genres of music too yeah it's two completely different genres and uh for those that don't know this is the jason boggs that owns boggs whole avenue tavern so um that's why it's boggs whole avenue tavern it's it's your whole avenue tavern and it's uh the oldest bar in Des Moines is that yeah. is that a real thing? Yeah, countywide actually, Polk County. Oh, really? Oldest one in Polk County. That's crazy. But yeah, I've I mean with Three Finger Betty, I've played down at your bar a zillion times. Well, it seems like a zillion times. Like I don't know, probably three dozen times, four dozen times in the last five years. So it's it's been one of those places that's like a home away from home for me. Um, it's kind of where where I cut my teeth, even though people don't really know that. So. Um, you do also play in a band though. So do you want to talk band stuff first or do you want to talk venue stuff first? doesn't matter. They they both kind of overlap after a while because once I took over the whole, you know, which is funny because once I, once I started running the whole Avenue, it seems like I I started playing less gigs in the beginning, uh, just kind of more concentrated on running the bar and, 
you know, the, the bandmates I had at that time just, um, I don't want to say that they just weren't dedicated to playing as often, but, you know, everyone just kind of had their own separate lives. So mm-hmm. uh, a few years I ran the hole, I, you know, my, my band didn't get to play as often as I really thought. People probably thought, oh, Jason's got this bar and he's going to play all the cool shows. Man, I had to pass up on a lot of the cool shows because I, you know, my, you know, my bandmates at the time just couldn't take a lot of stuff. But, you know, but uh, it's uh, it allowed me just to kind of concentrate on you know, booking more of my friends bands and getting the keeping the music scene kind of chugging along there for the first two or three years. I had the bar. When did you now, take, I, I, when did you take over the bar? Um, I signed my lease on December 7th, 2014. We opened in March 3rd of 2015. So next month, well, we're only in about, what, four weeks. Uh, oh, man, we must have had a little glitch there. I lost some of your audio. Oh, no, now I've lost all of your audio. Where did it go? Oh, wait, now you're. I get little bits of it. That's crazy. Are you uh, connected to Wi-Fi or not? Yep. Huh. Yep. Okay, now I can hear you just fine. But yeah, the last bit I got was uh, you pretty much like you f- first started opening the bar in 2015. Was that right? Uh, March 3rd, 2015 is when we officially opened. So we're going on seven years. Seven years. That's pretty awesome. So I, I think my first show that I played there was in 2017. So not terribly long after you started taking over the place a couple years yeah now i had uh i had actually started booking shows there in 2004 okay i i was working at house of bricks at the time i was a head bartender and uh, uh i left the bar and uh the owner of the bar the whole avenue at the time was booking you know mostly cover bands this was the early 2000s and uh she wanted to try something different, so I started bringing in hard rock and metal bands that uh, you know wrote and performed original music, and it was a success there. So we started doing more and more of those shows, and I kind of am responsible for that early two thousands kind of getting the, uh, the the metal and, and some of the punk and some of the original music kind of branching out from the bars like House of Bricks and Harry Mary's kind of into you know your blue collar neighborhood bars. Uh, gave a lot of bands uh, an opportunity to get there on stage and play, and um, it, it just it worked. It, it helped the scene grow, you know, because we we need more than two venues to play at in Des Moines. You know, that was back at the time. There was, you know, if you wrote and performed original music, you you, you had House of Bricks, or you had Harry Marys, and that was really about it. Oh wow, that's crazy. Well, Avenue was back in two thousand four. I kind of um, you know, made that uh, a, another venue. It was you know a good in between between the the, the two. Um, the clubs in town so it kind of brought uh, uh just more more bands out to get them exposure yeah i mean that's definitely a thing to think about because like when bands get a hold of me they're like where do you play at in des moines i can only think of like maybe five places mm-hmm. and like one of them's closed because that's vaudeville you know so that place isn't even open anymore and it's an, there are a lot oh. of places that allow for different styles of music now in des moines but it still feels like that original hard rock kind of stuff is there's there's not a, a ton of places that are doing that you know on a frequent basis so it, it is still kind of right. weird to try to fit in there but it's it's no different than any small town though like you go into a small town bar like you want a metal band and they're like i don't know you know alabama here you got you know it's yeah it's got to be sweet home alabama totally you know so like I know some of those guys like down in Southern Iowa and like down in Ottumwa and they've, they've got like a pretty thriving hard rock scene down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it happened. My hats off to those, those guys working hard down in Southern, Southern Iowa. They, you know, they're that there's, you know, my dad played in a band back in the seventies and he always told me that some of the best venues he ever played in Iowa, the, the more South they'd go, the people would show up and just rock and have a good time. Oh Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, as far as, like, I play in a, uh, what I would call a kind of a country-ish cover band uh, with a guy, Jesse Wilson. So I play with him a lot. And that's where I, like, play the T60. Uh, I showed you that uh, one time at a show. But, like, uh, yeah, like, I have noticed that when you go farther south, it seems like they they pick up on it quite a bit. And it's, you know, it's different around different areas because I know that, like, Fort Dodge is starting to get, like, a really big scene for music once again. And there's, like six or seven venues in little Fort Dodge that are like, yeah, bring in your bands and we'll play here. It's 
pretty wild, you know? So do you think that like music in general, there's more like push for it now? Cause people are finally out and about and they're ready to go do stuff and they want something to happen or, or what do you think is causing this resurgence in music? Well, I, I'm as a bar owner, I'm, I'm still not seeing people coming back out like, like they should be. Um, you know, I'm definitely feeling the last two years have just been a financial, uh, you know, treachery because of COVID. And I understand why, you know, people want to be safe and, but, uh, you know, people aren't coming out, but they are, you know, um, some of the shows are drawing people out. Um, we, we played a show a couple weeks ago with the band out of Rockford, Illinois. They drove all the way from Rockford after we had that storm that put, you know, 14 inches of snow on the ground. Mm-hmm. And, and these guys are called Distology. They're out of Rockford, Illinois. And these guys just rock. I mean, they're incredible. They drove all the way from Rockford and, and they told her like, Hey man, we like playing Des Moines. This is it. You know, we, we love coming here and playing. I mean, that's dedication. So we must have something going on in Des Moines. There's, there's a little ripple right now. Yeah. I would definitely say so. Uh, do you think that some of the appeal of Des Moines is the fact that Slipknot came out of Des Moines? So some people are kind of just like, I want to play in that town that Slipknot came out of. I think so. I, I remember the music scene back in the late nineties and everybody's band, it was the new metal era and everyone sounded like new metal and everybody wanted to be the next Slipknot. And there's, you know, always, Oh, this is the next band that's going to get big. This 35 inch motor is going to be the next big band. No, it's going to be, uh, you know, mind splice. No, it's, it's, it's be this band. And, you know, I, I, I do think that uh, Slipknot has definitely, definitely put Des Moines, Iowa on the map. But on the other hand, it's, it's kind of unfortunate because we didn't become like the next Seattle. You know, there was only one band catapulted out of here. I think for the music scene to kind of, to be, you know, Des Moines the next up and coming thing, we need like 10 bands coming mm-hmm. out of here. And the, you know, the talent is here. The talent is in Des Moines. It's not just in the rock community. I mean, there's there's blues, rock, country, punk. I mean, this city is brewing with talent, but I don't know if we're if we're just the next rock that needs to be you know uh, turned over or or something. I don't know what it is about Des Moines. There's something here that's holding us back. Something cosmic, maybe. No. Maybe it's cosmic. You know, <laughs> it could be what it is. Maybe maybe everyone's like Des Moines. That's in you know Idaho, right? And they all go to Idaho instead, and they're. <laughs> But I remember reading this interview with one of the guys in Slipknot. It's probably Corey Taylor. And he said, hey, here's the thing about growing up in Des Moines, Iowa. There's nothing to do. So we sit around and you play music. You know, I mean, and, and I think there's a lot of truth to that because, you know, I, 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 I think about you being a creative person. You play guitar, you read comic books, you kind of get lost in your own world because we don't live in California. We don't we don't surf. You no. know, we're, we're not all doing things out we don't, we don't have like those, those kind of opportunities that people have on the coast. What do you do in Des Moines, man? You sit around your house, you're in your, you're in your house for, you know, three quarters of the year, it seems. It's either too hot to go outside or it's too cold. So we sit around, we create, I think there's a, I think there's a creative element in the Midwest, even in, in Iowa in general, you know, you, you go back and you look at most of your musicians, your, your actors, your entertainers, you know, everyone living in California doing all this stuff. They're all from the Midwest. Yeah, that's true people leave the midwest and they go to you know to the sunny places but i think creativity is kind of born out of boredom and frustration yeah and i think that's what about living here in the midwest oh totally because i mean like it's kind of mind-blowing how many like even artists there are in in the midwest like in iowa or des moines or or etc you know or like uh comedians there's starting to be a lot more comedians in iowa than there ever was and it's like this is wild and there's now like comedian circuits that can go to like different places that are like open mic nights for comedy it's like this is pretty wild it's kind of cool that that's starting to be a thing you know too so um yeah i've always like kind of thought the des moines oh shoot sorry what was that i was gonna say social media is probably helping too i mean now i mean you you could you could theoretically be a guy on youtube making a video down your basement des moines iowa you're just as valid as someone in las vegas or or even altamira spain i mean you know that the internet's just kind of connected to everyone that is true. That is true. Because, I mean, like, nowadays you can just be like, here's our Bandcamp page, and they'll check it out and be like, this looks well-produced. I'm going to hire you guys. And it's like, all right, there you go. Like, that's what it is, you know? So it does work, you know, but that's also the double-edged sword of, like, you kind of almost need social media at that point, too. Like, if if I could just have a website and everyone would go to it, that'd be fine with me. But now you got to update, like, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and make stories and events and 
and it's just a lot of a lot of work a lot of time on social media that i don't really want to spend on there i guess but that's another thing like how do you go about promoting shows because you're you're literally just uh a bar in des moines that is amongst many other bars you're kind of like out of the way you're not downtown but you're not terribly far away from it but how do you promote shows because i feel like that's a thing that doesn't happen anymore like you can't well you can't put flyers up and things like that on cars or wherever well and i you know one thing that i believe is um i believe in physical flyers i believe in putting posters up you know and i I like to think i make some really cool posters i hang them up all around town we do the best we can to do stuff like that but what kind of bothers me sometimes is i think the younger bands who weren't around back in the late 90s or the 2000s they don't get it and i think they rely too much on social media like hey we'll, we'll, we'll make an event we'll put it out you know, it's it's more than that. You know, if, if 50 people say they're coming, you have to assume 10 percent are. Yep. You know, remember the old days where, you know, we would go out and we would flyer a parking lot. Uh, you know, if Rob Zombie was playing, we figure, well, maybe some of these people are going to like our music. We put 800 flyers on cars. And oh, if we got no. 10 people, we won. Mm-hmm. But, you know, once you went out to uh, your car after a, or, or a show or even even going to a you know, going going to see a band down a gas lamp. When's the last time you got your car and see a flyer for someone playing at Lefties? That's you know true. that used to be a that used to be a common thing. You know, back in two thousand six, two thousand three, two thousand nineteen ninety nine, etc. Back in those days, if you went to a show when you left that night, there was three flyers for 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 concerts. You know, within the next two or three weeks, you know that's how bands promoted back then. And I don't know if like. Uh, Maybe they just people don't know how to do that anymore or if they're apathetic or not. But that's how we used to promote back then. I just, um, you know, I, Facebook is a great tool, but I can't say that it's reliable. I don't you really don't know what what the uh, uh, return is when you put an event on Facebook. You know, I mean, you want your friends and your family to come. But, man, you put a flyer on someone's car. You, you put something physical in their hand. They're looking. Oh, well, what's this? Oh, you know, at least they saw it and they see your name. And I think I just think that um, there needs to be more um, kind of street team promotions like in the old days because I it was effective. I really think it was. Yeah, I mean, I agree wholeheartedly because I feel like and this is going to sound really dumb, but like with the podcast, I was always like, I'm going to always have stickers and I'm going to have as many with me as I can. And I'm going to give them out because somebody's going to put a sticker on something and then someone else is going to see it, you know, and it's like free promotions. So I always said no business cards, it's stickers and it's funny because you'll give them to people and you'll see them like stuck up, you know, like I saw one on a, f- a light pole today in downtown yep. Fort Dodge. And I was like, that is wild. Like, and I didn't even stick it there. So it's like, that's, that's crazy, you know? And so people are obviously walking past that thing and seeing it. So it's not too far off from, you know, what you're kind of explaining where it's just like, if you put something in their hands or in their line of sight where they have to touch it and, and even if they just throw it away, they still looked at it. But like on Facebook, you make an event and it's like 83. 80- Eddie, what? Yeah. But they at least your name was in their head for a couple seconds. Yeah. You know? Exactly. And on and on Facebook, if they don't follow you or have any friends that follow you, they'll never see your event. Like never right. ever see your event. And even if they follow you and stuff, it's like, you know, how many friends do you have? Do I have? Does everyone else in the band have for all these different bands that are playing at your birthday show and for only X amount of people to have seen it and responded. It's like, that's kind of wild to that. Only that many people have seen it and responded to it. When you think about how many friends we probably all have. So I don't know. It's that Facebook algorithm is not friendly, you know, suppose it's the same problem everywhere from Des Moines to Seattle to Brainerd, Minnesota. I mean, all these bands, we, we want people to come to our shows. How do you get people out? I mean, I think, um, in 2022, it's more difficult to get someone to come out of the house, get in their car, drive to a venue, be entertained by you than it was 20 years ago. Because let's just face it. I mean, we can sit at home, be entertained by anything now. That's you know, we, true. We, we've, got, we, we've, we've got music. we got everything at our fingertips. I mean, we just, you know, I, I, I'd like to think that people still want to go out and experience live music because it is an experience. You know, you can sit and listen to a CD any day. That's why people want to go to concerts. You want to, you want to have the experience. That's true. How are we, getting, how are we going to get these people to come to hear our shows? You know, that's that's always the that's that's the biggest pitch. And I suppose as a you know, and and being creative, you know. So we're all in bands. You're, you know, we're, we're doing our bands. You're doing Betty, and and I'm doing Mary. And um, 
but we're creative people. But now we have to be business people at the same time too. We have to have that simultaneous like we got to be business and commerce. Now, how do we how do we promote how do we promote our art? You know, that's that's the that's the I think that's the toughest um, goal. Yeah, being a musician, hear your art when people hear your music. You know. Well, yeah, I mean, I remember hearing on a podcast recently, I was listening to a comedy podcast, and this guy was like, I remember when I was young, and I was like, uh, I love comedy, I'm just not good at the networking, and this uh, senior comedian kind of looked at me and said, what, that's stupid, you gotta be good at networking, so just get good at networking, and it's like, that's, un- unfortunate as it is, that's kind of part of the battle with, with playing music, you can't just sit there and play music and walk away and not talk to anyone in the scene or any of the, anybody, you know, because then people are just gonna be like... Right. Who's that? I don't know. I forgot his name already. He's never around. I never remember him. So you end up with something like that, you know. Um, but I mean, it's it's just just kind of a weird thing because I never really considered myself too social of a person. And here I am with a podcast because I was like, well, this is kind of a way to kind of maybe hopefully get some people involved in the scene, you know. And I, I saw a lot of the people in the northern Iowa area really responding to it. So I've I've interviewed a lot of them, but I still I don't shy away from the Des Moines people too because, like I said, I've spent five years now playing down in Des Moines. So, um, it does have my heart. That's for sure. But I remember going to shows down there. Uh, what year is it? It's 2022 now. Oh man. It's like 16 years ago. I remember going to shows down there and stuff. And like right after I graduated high school and whatnot. So I'd be like cruising around down there going to see shows. And it's like you said, there was a lot of super, super, very heavy bands. And like my buddies were in dark mirror. So they played like thrash metal. And so I always wanted to go see their shows. But there was a lot of bands that used prop and makeup and all sorts of other crazy things out there. And I, I don't see too much of that going on anymore. It's just a bunch of people up there. They play their music yeah. and go away. Sure. I, I think also, too, I remember the scene, you know, 2005. Um, Resurrection Mary started playing around 2006. And it was it was a little more competitive back then. You, you had some bands that... Uh, I always call them, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to kind of name names because I'm not saying anything um, derogatory, but I think that there definitely was a, a little bit more of a competitive um, part of the scene back then. Some bands wouldn't play shows with other bands. You know, it was just, um, I think of the scene was cl- a little more clicky. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some people who would probably disagree and say, oh, no, Jason, the scene back in 05 was the best. I'm like, well, we all have our opinions on that. I just, I remember a certain band. Not going to name names. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd go out uh, and flyer. We 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 flyered Harry Marys. We flyered the whole. We'd fly our House of Bricks. This certain band was playing Shooters Hideaway, which was a pool hall over on Sixty uh, Third and University, and they were the big band in Des Moines at that time. Well, we flyered their parking lot, and you know, we, you you want to go put a flyer for your show where do you go you go to places that are having shows because that's the crowds can come here the guitar player in this band was insulted when he got to his car and found a flyer stuck on his windshield wiper that said resurrection mary uh slopsicle which one of the greatest des moines bands ever and so a band called parallax and it was for show at the hole he took it personally and he went on to this you know internet and he, he made a big statement like i think that's low class someone flying the cars in the parking lot and i'm like whoa bro we did that everywhere don't think we singled your band out that's what bands do you know but once again that was just kind of a a sample of the everyone wants to be the next big band and that was very 2005 des moines and i you know what i think we've grown past that i think we're more of a family now i really do you know i I don't I was going to say, I remember a story very similar to that happening in the pro wrestling scene where like, sometimes you like WWE comes to town. So the smaller promotions will go there and they'll flyer people on the way out, you know, but then they'll get mad. Cause somebody like, I was going to flyer this door, like we're flyer. And it's like, well, you can't flyer here or whatever, you know? So like there was a little bit of a huffle, you know, about that. But after a while it died down and everyone's like, yeah, that's stupid to get mad about that. The thing too, this is Des Moines, Iowa. This isn't Los Angeles. <laughs> you know, true. It's not the Sunset Strip in 1984. We're all playing to the same people. That's you know? true. That is- and so that's just kind of, I mean, the scene was, it was bigger back then, but it was just a little bit more competitive. You had about two or three bands. You know, they, they, were, they, they, were, very, they, were, they were very limited about who they wanted to play with, where they wanted to play. And, you know, all, all it did at the end was nothing. It accomplished nothing, you know, um, other than just being divisive. Yeah. And I, I think... 
happens everywhere. And we're not bad mouthing Des Moines because I've been part of the scene for 25 years, you know. Um, but geez, I'm so glad to see that the scene has grown beyond that. And I think if that's one thing that is good about Des Moines right now, I think there's younger people who don't, who are part of the scene who don't look at, you know, themselves as like, oh, I'm, I'm the next big thing. No, I think people are a little cooler now. That's one thing I got to give to the younger generation. People 10, 15 years younger than me, man, they're way more cooler. They just are. <laughs> they're, they're, they're hung up on ego. I don't, I just don't think they have that as big of an ego trip as my generation did. Oh man. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's definitely some of that, but at the same time, I also feel that like, maybe it's just like the life situation they're involved in. So it's like, well, they've already had life beat them down and they know that like, you know, they don't have the dream of being like a, a king in like a, you know, their kingdom or whatever. So they're just like, well, yeah, whatever. I'm going out there and playing music. And when I'm done, I'm going to cheer for everyone else. I'm going to walk away and high five people and it's going to call it a night, you know? And some people want to, need- what's that? The scene needs more of that too. You know, Hey, we're staying, we're staying for all the bands, you know, we're, we're, we're going to listen for everyone. Our fans are here for everyone. Yeah, like I love that concept because it's something I've been preaching to people where it's like, even if you don't like the music, you don't have to express the fact that you don't like it in front of their face, like while they're playing, you know, like just sit there and enjoy it while it's happening and, and, and move on with your life. Like I've been to too many shows where I've overheard people like saying horrible things about bands, you know, and I mean, that's also the downside of going to hundreds of shows where it's just like, there's always gonna be that one guy in the crowd that's just like, you know, play Freebird or like whatever, you know, or like, you know these guys, you know, these guys are great, but this guy in this band is horrible. And it's like, why would you say that? Like, why are you going to key in on that? So I I do notice that like a lot of the younger people I play with just love going up there and playing. And that's the only thing on their mind, you know, and, you know, hats off to them. Cause for a long time, I, I didn't have that mindset. I was kind of like, like you were describing, I was kind of just like, I play guitar. I am the man. But then like I, when I finally started actually like learning and going out to jam nights and hanging out with other people, I was like, Oh, if there was a totem pole, I would be so close to the bottom. It's not even funny. And then it's like, Oh, I got humbled. So then I started to like go out and, you know, try my craft out a little bit more. And that's one of my favorite things about going down to Des Moines is there's so many different bands down there playing so much different stuff. Like, I play a lot of in the punk scene. I'm using like air quotes for people not, you know, uh, watching the Patreon video, but like the punk scene down there is so wide. It's like anything could be punk, you know, and Betty's kind of punk, but we're kind of rock and we're kind of metal, you know, there's, there's a guitar current running through Betty, I think. Yeah. I, I mean, just, you can hear like, I can hear a surf. Yeah. I can just hear it. I can hear the, the you know, I like it. Yeah. So it's like, but that's the other thing is like, there's so many bands bridging so many different genres. I mean, there are some bands that you could kind of like pigeonhole where like these guys kind of sound like this and this and that's it. But like, that's kind of the fun thing though, is I've, I've had the opportunity to play with all sorts of different bands from like jammy style bands to old punk bands, to new punk bands, to punk bands with instruments, you know, uh, like horns and stuff like that, you know? So, uh, it's, it's a very open and welcoming scene. That's for sure. I just, I guess I just wish I had the availability to see more of it because uh, you and I were talking before the podcast, like, you know, the scene better down there than I do. Cause you've a been in it longer and B you live down there and I don't live down there. So I only get to go down there and see bands when I usually, when I play with them or right. on the off chance, I come see a show after I have like a band rehearsal on a weekend, you know? So it doesn't always happen, but <clears throat> excuse me. You were talking about um, was it House of Bricks earlier, and I those were some of my earliest memories. Was going to shows at the House of Bricks uh, when I was like right at the edge of like out of high school, and I mean I'd get in my car and drive two hours after after school or like after I got off work right after I graduated, and be like, all right, I'm going down to a show in Des Moines. And it felt so cool to go down there and and watch shows, and it was so sad when I that place finally closed, and it's like, man, you think about how many shows I've seen there. And I never got the opportunity to play there. That's like something that's unfortunate to me, you know, from like way back in my, my history. That's like, ah, it just, it doesn't exist. It I was, can't do it. You would have loved the stage. It was, it was a great stage to play on though. Probably one of the best stages in town. I really like playing there. Um, now the old house of bricks was on Merle Hay Road in Douglas. Okay. Now was the bricks. It, it was, it used to be called Connie's and uh, JC and Nancy bought it and they renamed it to a, uh, house of bricks now that was the one where uh i was a, the head bartender out at and I, I worked there in 02 and 03 
but man, we had a lot of, you know, great bands come through there. And once again, you know, they booked a, a, a very diverse uh, set of, of music out there. We had a lot of punk bands come through. There's this punk band that came through and I guess they're kind of legendary and they're from Detroit and they're called the trash rats. And uh, these guys were, man, they were really cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, they had vinyl for sale and, um, you know, the house of bricks, they, they had, a, they, they book all these interesting things. There's a, the guitar player from a band uh, called folk focus. His name is Jan Ackerman. Have you ever heard that song? Um, it's called hocus pocus by focus. It starts out with yodeling no. and it goes into this, just this beat. Well, Jan Ackerman, he's, he was playing the guitar. He came through. He's, I don't know. I don't have these Dutch or something. And he comes up with acoustic guitar one night and plays, you know, just, I mean, it, it was, a, it was an interesting place. Um, one night I was working at House of Bricks and we had a, a jam on Wednesdays called the Farmer Tan Funk Band. And some of these guys were like professors at Drake. They're you know, music professors. Uh, one night uh, there was a, a metal band called, uh, uh, well, geez, what were they called? Um, Agent Orange. And uh, they were just in town. They're they're on tour and they just wanted to come in and play. <laughs> so I let them come out. I'm like, okay. You know, they came up to Shop Pool and, you that's know, cool. Just we just have all these just interesting people pop in. You know, that's weird. It's weird about Des Moines is a lot of people don't realize people pass through Des Moines all the time, all yeah. the time. Eighty thirty five people come right through here and they they want to play. You know, at the whole avenue um, this summer, uh, Mark Rizzo, who played in Soulfly and Il Nino, and the, you know, a, a record label hit me up out of uh, Illinois and said, "Hey, can Mark Rizzo come and play?" And I'm like. Hey man, I'm a small venue. I see 74 people. They're like, no, we we can Mark come and play? Okay. Mark Rizzo comes in there and plays, man. Mark Rizzo. He's my friend now. He's my friend on Facebook. We talk all the time. He plays an Il Nino. I mean, that's a pretty big band. Yeah. He came to play the Tavern one night on a on a Monday. And he popped in. That's cool. Pop. Yeah. So I mean, people do pass through here, and those are like, well, can I come and play? And I'm like, well, I can't give you much money, you know. Yeah. But they want to play. They want to make fans. They sell T-shirts. Mm-hmm. You know, people come in and they're not making a ton of money at the door, but they're selling five hundred dollars worth of merchandise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's that is another testament to bands. Like, if you want to go out, and I get it, everyone's objective with a band is different. But if you want to go out there and try and like put your name on the map, like you, you kind of have to have merch. You know. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. if you have Eric a t- from. Eric, man, Eric Brown will, will tell you all day long. Hey, man, if you don't have your merch table set up at Lefties, you ain't doing it right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, I mean that's another thing. Like if you have T-shirts, uh, somebody's gonna wear that, and it's they're a walking billboard for you now. You know, and it's like stickers, same deal. I mean, you can go up and down the line with just about anything. And then you gotta, you know, how do you feel about CDs? Are CDs a thing? Do you use those anymore, or is it more like ah, if I see someone has a vinyl, I'm cool with that. Oh, of course, I have CDs. I have, I have CDs and vinyl and things. I mean, I, I but you know, I don't know. I, I, I guess you'd have to ask someone younger than me because <laughs> I, I definitely plan on, um, you know, we're, we're going to put on an, uh, an EP probably, probably more towards the end of this summer, but I, I'm going to do a CD release. I mean, I'm going to put it on that document. Do people still buy those? Man, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I have a piece, I, you know. Yeah, like we bought CDs for Three Finger Betty. I don't know if we got you one or not, but it, like, I can't remember. We had to order two hundred at a whack in order to get like a decent deal, and it was like this is a lot of CDs. So, um, I mean, I went on like a thing where it's just like any radio station in Iowa that plays anything remotely close to what we have, or any radio station that has like a local music whatever show. I just sent CDs out to them all, all the DJs. It was just like here you go, check it out, you know. So I mean, that could be a good promotional tool maybe too, but. Your band plays are people buying cds or are they buying vinyl off of you it's it's weird i think we're selling more vinyl wow wow that's awesome though i mean yeah. that's really cool yeah i mean it is a weird vinyl too because it's a seven inch and that's not really like a super common thing you know so i think you have to play it at 45 rpms but it's like a long 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 45 is what it is yeah i mean and i i love vinyl i mean i but i'm like I said, man, I was born in 1975, so I'm kind of that generation. I remember still buying records when I was a kid. You know, and I've always I have a great turntable. You know, I've, I have the best. Yeah. You know, so I 
Oh, I, I, I listen to vinyl. I have a jukebox in my house. It's full of full of 45s. That's cool. That's super cool. <laughs> Skype it over and show you my jukebox. It's really sweet. Oh, that's sweet. That's super sweet. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's another thing that's cool is like, as, as involved as I am in the music scene, as many people as I know and as many shows as I've been to and things like that, I always sit there and look at people like you. It's like, man, you've been in the scene longer. You've seen a bazillion more shows. You know a million more bands. You've watched it transform time and time again. And, um, I mean, like, I've been in it long enough to watch it like accordion. Sometimes, like like you were talking about earlier, it kind of has like a lull where it's like, man, nothing's happening. Nobody's playing shows. There aren't really any bands out that are grinding on a, like a month-to-month or week-to-week basis. And then all of a sudden, it's just like there's a lot of people, a lot of bands. Everybody's playing shows all the time. So, um, yeah, I guess I kind of forgot where I was going with that, but like, that's like the thing I think about with people like you is like, you have seen pretty much everything to the point where like, I mean, we were talking earlier how Boggs has a lot of like metal and punk and rock and things like that, but you do a blues jam on Sundays too, still, don't you? Yep. Seven o'clock tonight. I mean, every Sunday we do, um, we, we, we come over an open jam now, the, the, the people that do it now they've used more rock southern rock in it and it's it's you know anyone can get up and play really any genre you want but we still have a lot of the older guys older cats that come in and play the blues mm-hmm. so i've been keeping every sunday 50 52 sundays a year man we're doing that open jam at the hole and uh gives people a chance to get up there and express themselves people who don't play in bands this is kind of their gig mm-hmm. you know you know it, it just it gives everyone a chance to get up there and and um uh, just get off musically, I guess. Yeah, I've actually been to a few of those uh, blues jams. Who was the guy that hosted those for like ever? What was his name? Well, the guy that hosted him at the hole, he passed away. His name was Kim Mason. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I met. He was a nice guy. He was super cool. And he was another one of those guys who's a who's a guitar collector. He had like thirty seven guitars, and <laughs> oh, you know, he buy his guitars, he'd take them apart, he'd swap things out, and he'd cobble stuff together, and but you know, Kim was—he was a neat guy. He—he he truly loved guitar. He loved music. You know, he just loved that stuff. He lived it. He breathed it. That's—that's that's, that's what he—you know—made him happy. Yeah, yeah. I was sad to hear he passed away. Uh, you know, never got to play with him or whatever. But I saw him jam a bunch up there. I think I went to like three jams while he was still hosting it, and I haven't been to one since he passed away. But uh, he was—he was a really gracious host. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, I remember the one of them. I was there, and it was the jam just kept going and going and going. And I was like, does it usually go this late? And someone's like, yeah, sometimes it depends on who's here or whatever. And it just kept going later and later. And, uh, like one of my favorite things, like this guy comes in and he had just like flip flops and he was like all grubby. He probably just got off of work and he had like, just like a white t-shirt and some shorts on. And he, he, he came in with just like a guitar and he was holding it all like weird. Like he was almost dragging it behind him, but he went up there and he played and he just destroyed, didn't have a pick. Was just like I said, he was just like all dirty. He probably just got off of work and he went up there and shredded. And I was like, that's cool. That's like the stuff I like to see. It's, you know, like I said, it's amazing of the people who live in, in our community in Fort Dodge and Des Moines, all over. There are people out there who are just are unsigned, unnoticed guitar gods. Mm-hmm. And you'll never because like I said, they probably just got off work building tires and these guys can play the guitar better than anyone you'd ever hear on the radio. And you're like, my God, who is out there in our community with this much talent? They're out there. These people are out there. Yeah. I mean, I'll definitely say that. So, like, I play, like, in that cover band, I play with uh, a kid, and he's he's 17 years old, and he plays bass, but he's, like, Primus-level crazy good. Like, just yeah. just we- weirdo good. And it's like, okay, that's cool. There's a crazy good bassist in our town. Well, I was at a jam today. Earlier today, I went to one It was just, like, in the afternoon. And this other kid gets up there, and he's got a six-string Kiesel headless bass. And I'm like... Oh, this guy's gonna be good, and sure enough, he just shreds a bunch on the bass. And I'm like, "Where are you guys coming from? Like, I didn't know you existed." And it almost seems like yeah. some of those people are hiding, like they don't want to be in bands, you know. And some of them may not be able to. Some of them may not have the personalities. You know, you know, you're in a band. I'm in a band. It takes a it takes a dynamic. It takes a certain person to be in a band and get along with other people and do shows and be on time. You know, it, it, it takes a lot of effort to do this. I mean, my God, that's why bands always break up because people end up hating each other or musical direction, you know. But my God, to, to be in a band and stick it out, it takes it takes a lot of patience and yeah. understanding. 
Yeah, it's kind of weird because like it's almost like you're at a part-time job that you um, there's no boss and it's you and three other people and you have to get along and you kind of have to come to a consensus like we're playing are we playing this show is everybody free this day you know can we be at this place at this time for a rehearsal and and you know practice your parts please and then you show up and it's like you obviously haven't been practicing and like how do you bridge all those gaps and like how do you talk like how do you, do you talk to people nicely cuz i've been in just enough bands that where i've seen every dynamic where like three finger betty's the easiest Nobody cares. Just go up there, play a bunch, shred, rock out, leave. Like everybody's cool, like rock and roll. But I've also been in other bands where it's like this is a little bit more difficult than than Three Finger Betty, and you got to kind of like figure out where your place is and and how how to kind of get along with some people, you know. And some of that comes down to like how bad do you want it too? Because it's you know some people just don't want to put up with that ever, you know. Or some people are like I like playing music, but I'll play in my basement if it comes down to like you know right X Y and Z. So. It's not an easy dynamic to have, that's for sure. And I think, well, I think, um, you know, and people, the fans, people always say to me, oh, Jason, it's so cool. You know, I wish I could be in a band. And I'm like, well, just do it. You want to do it? Just do it. Yeah. You know, do it. it, it, it maybe, maybe do two shows and, and you break up and you never play again. But you're in a band. You can always look back and say, hey, give it a try. I, I did it. But man, to be in a band and keep a band going forever. And uh, it, boy, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it takes dedication, it takes personality. You know, I mean, I've been through a lot of different members in Resurrection Mary, you know, um, people get married, you know, they people, they lose their desire sometimes. And, you know, you just, you know, people quit, they come and they go. But the, the thing is, if you love music, you just got to keep it going. You just got to keep finding different people. Yeah. People you get along with. Yeah. And that's where I like, I used to just be like, some of these people seem so wishy-washy where they're like, I play with this band and now I play with that band or now I have, uh, I play this genre and now I play that. And now I look at it and I'm like some of these people are just trying to find their place or trying to stay entertained by this. And that's like, I always just have to tell myself, everyone's trying their best to get what they want out of music, you know, and you just have to find people that are semi like-minded, you know, I understand people that, you know, change genres and play different styles and stuff like that. Cause I've played a handful of different genres with different bands on a very frequent basis over the last four or five years. So it's like, I get it. It's it's a nice pace change to play in a cover band than it is to play in like a progressive metal band. You know, it's a nice pace change to play with Three Finger Betty than it is to play folk music or whatever. But um, you know, coming back to that jam night, man, I absolutely love jam nights. You never know what's going to happen. You kind of just have to get along with people on the fly and see what's going to happen. And sometimes it's nerve wracking, but usually it turns right. out pretty good. It can be frustrating. I, I I have to admit, I'm not personally. I don't enjoy playing in open jams myself because when I do, I feel like if someone doesn't know the music that I want to play, it just falls apart on stage. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Does anyone know how to ba play baby? Please don't go. No, yeah. I don't know how to play that. Really? Okay. Well, uh, how about here? How about this? Or I'll throw out a Zeppelin song. No one knows, no one knows how to do it. And if the bass player doesn't know how you're doing on these specific chord changes, doesn't matter. Yeah. You know I mean, the song falls flat. So one thing about open jams is I think, you know, you go to open jams, you kind of listen, you, you kind of have to treat it like a cover band where like, okay, these are the songs that they play every week. These are the set of songs they play. I'm going to go home and learn the set of songs they play. So when I jump up there, you know, when they play, you know, Statesboro Blues by the Allman Brothers, hey, I came prepared. I know that song. Mm -hmm. I can jump in there I on bass if I have to, you know, um, I mean, that's kind of the key, I think, to going to the open jams. Got to kind of gotta kind of scout it out you know kind of see what they're doing yeah yeah i've seen a lot of people go to oh sorry what was that you say that's kind of how it is in des moines i i you know the open jams are kind of run that way it's very they're very there's a specific they're open jams are open to getting you up on stage but there's still a you know criteria there's still a set list that they're kind of doing yeah yeah i definitely understand that because like uh one of the open jams i go to it's it's like 50 50 singer songwriter and then play other songs so you kind of you know you kind of almost have to know these singer songwriter songs so you have to sit there for maybe a week or two to figure out how they go or or what's supposed to be going on in different spots or where you can fit in if you're going to play leads with them etc but uh you know some of that's also the fun of it where like the jam i went to today it was just like i didn't know almost any of the songs so it's one of those things where it's like i'm going to use you have to like you find different strengths where it's like i can play chords and just hide in the background and just play like little bitty rhythm parts you know and stuff so um yeah i don't know it's 
it is what it is. I like, I don't know. Jam nights, uh, they definitely give me a different opportunity other than three finger Betty, which is like running downhill fast music, you know? Right. Oh, I, I like the spontaneity though, of being able to get up there on a jam and kind of improvising and, you know, getting to kind of solo or, or, or come up with something kind of different. That's, that's kind of cool. I guess. Um, if, if the people you're jamming with are kind of conducive to that, that's, that's always the fun part of it. Yeah, definitely. Well, you were talking resurrection Mary earlier. Um, and I'm talking jam nights, and I see this guy a lot at jam nights, Jeremy Ober. Uh, you uh, you actually know Jeremy Ober. Jeremy Ober well. So I met Jeremy years ago, um, probably around 2007. Uh, he was playing in Brutal Republic, which I believe he still has going. Yep. Uh, and uh, Jeremy, we were doing shows with Jeremy, and uh, we got rid of our lead singer back in 2006. And we were looking for lead singers. And Jeremy Ober, who was living in Des Moines at that time, uh, uh, he, he was living here. He had a girlfriend who I think lived in Ankeny. So he was kind of in the Des Moines area at that time. He came up and approached us after a show and said, heard you guys need a singer. I'm like, yeah, we do. And he goes, can I can I fill in? Can I help? And we all looked at each other like, well, okay. Mm-hmm. So Jeremy opened at Resurrection Mary for, I'd say, a, a, about a year, a year and a half possibly. Jeremy Oberfront at Resurrection Mary, and uh, we do one of our one of our songs that we do, um, probably one of our most popular songs. That we've got it on three different compilation CDs. Uh, it's called a song called "Here Comes the West," and uh, Jeremy actually wrote the lyrics to that song, and uh, I wrote the music, but Jeremy wrote those lyrics, and I never changed them because I don't think I could write anything better than what Jeremy wrote for that. So those lyrics were written by Jeremy Ober. Here comes the West. Oh, nice! That's super uh, cool. Mary songs, you know, very, you know, fast two and two and a half minute punk kind of driving rock song, you know, punk metal. Uh, you know, Jeremy overwrote these songs and they're they're very, you know, esoteric, kind of about like, you know, uh flesh versus machine. I mean, he wrote these lyrics, um, an inefficient machine to replace, you know, inefficient flesh, nothing more than pawns in a game of chess. The grip it has on control grows less and less. Look out, it's time, here comes the West. You know, I, I suppose the West being a metaphor for, hey, here comes the machinery, here comes technology, here comes progress. Jeremy wrote those words. You know, it's very powerful. Jeremy Ober is probably one of the best guitar players, too, that I've seen perform. Jeremy is uh, a unique talent. You know, Jeremy Ober's got it going on, man. Jeremy, Jeremy really, about a lot of people I know, Jeremy really should be catapulted. Jeremy should be out in the stars, man. You know, yeah. I, I'm a big fan of Ober. Big fan. Yeah, yeah, it's something that I definitely don't take lightly getting to see him up here and play songs with him and jam with him and see him at jam nights and things like that. The guys, and, and the craziest thing about it, he's a real nice guy too. You know, not that we, not that you and I aren't nice guys, but no, it's way down to earth. He's uh, he's he's a uh, he's quiet kind of. You know, he he's not uh, you know like a you know, he'll sit there he'll look at you. You know, he's a thinker. Yeah, you know, Jeremy's a thinker. He's always. Got- on his brain jeremy thinks on a creative level and jeremy thinks on a very analytical level you know that's what probably makes jeremy such a good musician and a good person he's a he's a very serious person yeah absolutely (laughs) oh man so let's uh let's talk about some gigs we got coming up so you have a show coming up uh march 20th with blacktop mojo that you said that was in iowa city at uh was it what's it called barbecue wildwood barbecue barbecue um so yeah i guess a 500 seat venue kind of like woolies here in des moines um they 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 kind of book some of the same bands i think woolies does uh, kind of you know nationals you know not, not, you know like uh you know what was playing there i mean got blacktop mojo I, I think it's all like um oh geez i can't even think of something but you know you kind of kind of bigger bands like you know no you know no, no one too huge but no one too small it's kind of a mid-sized venue yeah. So we're that. Um, and of course, we got uh, my birthday bash with Three Finger Betty and uh, my, my friends over in Black Dot World. And we're, we're looking forward to that. That's going to be a good. Oh, hopefully yeah. There's, hopefully there's not a blizzard that night or anything <laughs> weird because that, you know, my birthday can bring, bring some some bad weather sometimes. Yeah. I mean, that's the winter birthday for you. I got the summer birthday, so you never know if it's going to be hot or hot. Degrees or 107 degrees. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, those two shows are going to be really awesome. Uh, I'm stoked to play another show with you. I think 
one of the last times we did was it your last birthday bash you came up and played a couple songs with three finger betty and um uh what else did we do um we did uh, Cold Gin, and then we did... Uh, um, yeah, Cold Gin. Yes, yes. Um, so, yeah. I mean, that was tons of fun. I mean, that was the first time I think I've ever got to play with you, so that was, you know, something yeah. something but, fun off the bucket list. Yeah, three on stage that night. That was awesome. Oh, yeah, it was tons of fun. I mean, like, I really... like The older I get, the more I enjoy playing with other people, because it's kind of like I look at music as a thing where you're, like, expressing yourself, and you're kind of speaking a language with someone else and and other people can enjoy it even though they might not be able to speak that language you know right tribes we're kind of like we're different tribes coming together like under one big nation just you know the the, you know, the resurrection mary tribe the three finger betty tribe we're all coming together playing <laughs> i love it dude i love it that's a good analogy um yeah. So, so yeah the the birthday bash show is february 19th i got that right yes i got that right and then March 20th was, was your show in Iowa City. You're older. What was that? It's my birthday at midnight. So I'll be turning old at midnight. Turning old at midnight. <laughs> you turn into a pumpkin. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah. I, that, what's that? So roll me off to stage. I'm a big <laughs> pumpkin. Oh, man. I'll be that jack o' <laughs> <laughs> I did pull up that show in Iowa City. That's available if you guys want to check that out online. Otherwise, the the birthday bash show is February nineteenth. That's going to be a killer show. Uh, it's going to be good to see Blacked Out World again. I don't think I've seen them in maybe since COVID or maybe once in since COVID started. Maybe. Here's the thing about Blacked Out World: they're their old bass player Josh has returned to the band. Josh Finch is his name, and Josh was in uh, 10, 12 years ago. And Josh, to come out of retirement. And I'm letting Josh borrow my Rickenbacker 4003 that night. He's going to play that on stage. Oh, cool. That'll be fun. Yeah. So, yeah, that's going to be a killer so show. That's, that's, it's going to be a good show. They're, they're really excited because this is, this is Josh's uh, first show back. Like, and like I said, like, Oh geez, 10 years or something. So, Oh, that's cool. That's super cool. Oh man. So that, I, don't, I'm, I know that it's been a long time. Do you, uh, so he's I'm going to look this up real quick. Do you have a resurrection Mary Facebook? There it is. Boom. So there is a Facebook account. Um, do you have uh, like an Instagram or anything like that? You know, I don't. I need. I need to get hip. I need. I. I don't do Instagram. I need to kind of get with it. Maybe I'll let my guitar player handle that. <laughs> yeah, it's a good way to do it. It's a good way to do it. I'll put some links Facebook. down below for the for the yeah. Facebook at least, so people can see what you're up to. Um. Yeah. Let's see what else we got here. That's pretty much. Do you have a YouTube channel for Resurrection Mary or no? I, I do not. I do not. All right. That's probably. Probably stuff I need to work on. Probably I probably need to get more um, interactive media uh, for this band. You know, um, it's probably some things we need to do. We like I don't have a Bandcamp account. I have a jeez, uh, uh, what's it called? Reverb, Reverb Nation. Nation. Yep. Or I don't know. I, I we still get a lot of hits on there, but you know I think it's probably time that we maybe abandon that or, or not abandon it all together. But it's, I think we need to set up like a Bandcamp account. I think that's probably more. Like, don't you think that's probably what more of the professionals are looking at? Or, yeah, uh, yeah, Bandcamp is just easier to like. You can post things for sale on there and show them, you know, your your discography a little bit easier. It kind of, you can search for things by locality, so you can look up like Des Moines rock bands, and it'll pull them up and things like that. So, um, I used to get like really deep into uh, Bandcamp for a while when I was like dinking around with the Three Finger Betty one, but. I don't know. I like I like Bandcamp. Having a Facebook uh, is pretty much the one to have. Instagram's right. not bad, but like Twitter, it's kind of pointless to have a Twitter at this point. So yeah, Instagram. We should, I should probably set something up on there. I just I just just when I think of Instagram, I just go. Ugh, I just dread Instagram. I just it's, ugh. yeah, you know, <laughs> just one more thing. It's just one more thing. It's that you got to do. It's, girls are racing 40 pounds off them and it's like i want likes am i pretty uh instagram <laughs> yeah 
I will have to say it's not like that like entirely because on my uh, Audible Farm Instagram, all I follow is bands, so I don't get to see any of that. And I'm kind of like, yeah, cool. This is Chrissy from Australia, you know? <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> so if you guys want to check out any of the links for Resurrection Mary, they're going to be in the description section down below. There's a Facebook there. It has links uh, to their Facebook, and you can see their shows coming up, including that uh, Blacktop Mojo show, which should be pretty awesome. The venue is awesome. Uh, there's a lot of interest in that, it looks like, already in the comments section on some of those posts. But, uh, yeah, check that out. That's going to be a great place to check out all of the Resurrection Mary stuff. I'll put the Boggs Hole Avenue uh, Facebook down there as well. So if you guys want to check out what else is happening at Boggs Hole Avenue Tavern, that's going to be down there as well. Uh, I got everything on my checklist checked off here. Is there anything that you uh, want to talk about before we take off today? Uh, no, I really can't think of much. I think we've kind of covered a lot of things, so... Just uh, I just try to encourage people to, you know, it's, it's it's up to the fans to help keep the music scene alive too. I mean, us bands we can only do so much. You know, we we we're out there, we're we're unloading our gear in, in sub zero temperature. We're walking through ice and snow, you know, and we need we need the fans to help come out and and support these things because without the fans, it's this is all going to go away. And that's me talking as a venue owner and and, and as someone who's uh, in in a band. So we just definitely I think in 2022. Um, I think people really need to get out and support the arts. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't agree more, man. I couldn't agree more. Gonna go away. Yeah, that's very true. That's true. Uh, Jason, uh, don't go away, but thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. I appreciate it. It was my honor. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. And there's another episode in the bank. Love it. Love it. This was a fun one. Like I said in the intro, Jason's one of my favorite people to talk to at shows. He knows a lot about gear. He knows a lot about playing shows, promotion, other bands, things that go on. He's uh, I've seen him not just at his own bar, but I've seen him at other people's bars taking in shows as well. That's one of my favorite things about him. He's out there in the scene. He's, he's, he's watching shows everywhere. And uh, one of the nicer guys out there, too. Uh, as, I mean... I remember the first time I met him, I was like, oh my gosh, this guy's going to yell at me. He looks so scary. No, he's a nice guy. Super nice guy. And uh, that's one of my objectives with these podcasts. Just kind of get to know the people in the area, who's out there, who's playing shows, where are the venues at, what it's like to promote, uh, the kind of styles of music and everything. And, and Jason knows a lot about a lot of those things. So uh, whatever he said in here, don't take it lightly. I kind of like the idea of just going out and starting to do the flyers again. It'd be awesome to flyer shows. Uh, just go to different venues and things like that and just plaster them with flyers. Uh, but, you know, I, I also understand why some people are reluctant to do those things. It takes time, energy, and money to do those things. And, uh, you know, we talked about that in this episode, too. It's, it just kind of depends what you want to get out of music. But, I mean, he, he knows all sorts of different types of music. Uh, all the different bands that come through, all the different styles. The blues jam that's on Sundays there, uh, like I said, I've taken in a couple of those. I haven't gotten up on stage and played at one of those. But I've been to a few of those, and uh, yeah, I love going to those types of things. Um, so if you guys are into jamming and you're in the Des Moines area, that's a good place to go doing some jamming, uh, meet some new people, find some find some new buddies in the music scene, and uh, it's kind of crazy because there's not a whole lot of crossover between like the bands I see and play with uh, at shows in Des Moines and the jams down there. So that just lets me know there's there's a pile of musicians down there. There's st- there's so many musicians down there. There's no way if you gave me 20 years, I couldn't talk to all the people that have been involved in the music scene in one way or another there's just so many and everybody's so talented and uh you know that's one of the things i think is cool about jason is he's seen a lot of that he's seen a lot of that so hats off to you jason if you're looking for the resurrection mary links they're down below like i said he's got a couple cool shows coming up with them so check those out down below check out their facebook otherwise if you're looking for what's going on at, at boggs uh, go down to the facebook down below uh, that he posts a lot of stuff uh, almost on a daily basis on their Facebook page there whether or not they have uh, drink specials coming up or, or shows coming up or like I said that open jam they've, they've done a lot of crazy things down there and uh, they're pretty much open to a lot of different types of shows so so check it out if you guys are uh, if you guys are in an original band you want to go explore somewhere and play somewhere else uh, say you know put your name in the Des Moines scene it's a nice place to start uh, like I said I think my second show in Des Moines ever was down there and so hats off to him for having such a fun venue a nice place to go kind of relax and have fun with friends and and uh yeah it's always a blast going down there hanging out so uh thanks for joining me jason i really appreciate it check out his links down below and down below his links there's audible farm links links for the audible farm shop links for the audible farm patreon channel 
and links for the Audible Farm website. The website has like all the links and everything you can probably ever want from Audible Farm and more. But the shop has uh, t-shirts as well as maybe some stickers. I'm not sure if I still have the keychains on there listed or not, but I do also have some Audible Farm keychains. Um, they might be on the shop. Check it out. Uh, click that shop link. Somebody tell me if there's keychains in there or not. <laughs> uh, otherwise, the Audible Farm Patreon video versions of the podcast are available. One dollar a month is all it will cost you. So sign up, check them out, watch the video versions if you'd like. Otherwise, it's always going to be free for audio versions. So thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate it. Once again, check out Jason's links down below. I'm done for the week. I'm out of here. Peace. Peace.